is Jane Gunn, the corporate peacemaker and author of How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. And this podcast is about how we can gain a better understanding of conflict to help us lead happier and more productive lives. Well, I'm speaking today with Bob Berg, an author and speaker on business success. Bob has written a number of books and his bestseller, The Go-Giver, is a business parable that touches hearts and minds and builds better bank accounts, something I'm sure we'd all like some tips on. So hello, Bob, and welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. It's a real pleasure to be with you. I love the work you're doing. Thank you. It's fantastic to talk with you, Bob. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to write The Go-Giver. Well, really, I had, as you mentioned, I had a book called Endless Referrals, which was really how to cultivate mutually beneficial relationships with people that would increase your business and would uh, really help you accelerate your referral-based business. Uh, I became interested in in parables uh, because I had gotten to uh, read a bunch of them and really enjoyed them and thought it would be great to to take the concepts of of endless referrals and and be able to uh, turn it into a parable. And while I, you know, came up with the name The Go-Giver and had a very, very basic outline written, it wasn't until John Mann came into the picture that it really started to sing. Because, you know, I'm a how-to author, so I, I speak, I write in terms of step one, step two, step three. Yeah. John, on the other hand, is a brilliant, brilliant storyteller. So. Uh-huh. I knew it was it was really beyond me to write the story I wanted to write, so I asked John if he'd be interested, and it's only because of our, you know, long-standing uh, relationship, him being an editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for, that he even took a look at this because he was so busy, and I'm just grateful he did because he discussed it with his, well, at the time, his fiance now his wife, Anna, and they both agreed that this had some potential. So John is really the, the reason why this book read as it did. And it's a very powerful story, um, Bob, and it's based on a sort of mentoring relationship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The uh, protagonist, Joe, is kind of a, a good guy. He's a, a young, up-and-coming business guy. He's aggressive. He's, you know, really... Uh, but he, he's very focused on himself, and he, it's very much about, you know, his name was Joe. It was Everything was about Joe, 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 and he couldn't understand why, as hard as he worked, and as much as he really went after it, he just wasn't achieving anywhere near the kind of success he, he believed he deserved and in which he really was capable. And so it was after meeting uh, Pindar, the main mentor, and learning the, what, what really is the basic premise of the book, Jane, and that's simply that shifting one's focus from getting to giving, in this case meaning constantly and consistently adding value to people's lives, is not only a, a nice way to live life, but a very profitable way as well. And of course, with, with what you do, it, it, certainly that's what you teach, because when you can really, in, in a, a conflict uh, type of situation, in order to resolve it, when you can take the focus just off of yourself and really kind of have that empathy where you can put yourself in that other person's shoes and not only feel what they're feeling, but communicate with them yep. that you feel what they're feeling. Yeah. Now you're working within a context where both people feel good about the situation and good about each other. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, and I think you have this principle too, we, instead of looking at the world as a place of limitation, you look at it as a place where value can be added, where rather than competition, you're looking for co-creation. Exactly, exactly. Um, And one of the other uh, themes in the book, uh, Bob, is looking for the best in others um, and being amazed what you'll find. 
Well, I, you know, I think that's very true because we really we see the world from our own belief systems, from our own paradigms, our own model of the world. So when we see people as people who are going to try to hurt us or, you know, at the very least just be uncaring and cold and so forth, we tend to approach people that way. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that ends up being what we put out. Now, you know, I've often said that, you know, assuming that uh, or desiring a person to change or seeing a person and not change, but seeing a person as acting the way you'd like them to act doesn't change them. It changes you. And it's that it's that change that changes them. You know, in other words, you're going into a situation with somebody, let's say a customer service representative who's not really, uh, you know, providing good customer service. Well, when you can shift your focus from saying, wow, this guy or gal is really a hard person to deal with to, to saying, wow, what a good person. I know that they are really looking to do the best they can. Now, that in itself isn't going to change them, but it's going to give you a different attitude. And you're going to communicate with that person in terms of creation, right? Not competition, as you just said. You're going to see them as a helpful person, and your attitude is going to have a great effect on them. And there's nothing, uh, you know, there's nothing about that that's you know, way out there, esoteric, what have you. This is very, very practical. And the other thing that fascinates me is that no matter what we're doing or saying on the outside, people respond to how we're feeling about them on the inside. Well, I think that's key. You know, and I, and I think really the vibrations we send out there uh, just have such a, uh, and certainly there's been enough study of this to know that, again, this is very, very practical. So the key is that to actually act your way into feeling a certain way. Uh, people often think, well, I've got to feel happy before I can smile. No, no, no. You act your way into being happy. Put that smile on your face and just try to feel bad. You really can't do it. You know, the, the mind, you know, the, the, we know the mind cannot hold two opposing thoughts. Yeah. And it's the physiology that dictates the feeling as opposed to the other way around. And there's been quite a lot of study in the medical field, hasn't there, about this and using humor and clowning and that kind of thing, which I also find very interesting. Uh, sure, uh, very, very much so. So, you know, I think we find out more and more about these things, and it gives us a great, uh, uh, a great context from which to work because we have the knowledge of knowing the things that are most likely going to work effectively. So in the book, Bob, you've got five laws. So it's quite a simple concept in a way. There's five basic laws um, that uh, describe how you go about uh, creating this attitude of giving. Do, do you want to just talk us through those? Sure. Well, the first one is, is the law of value. And this says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this can sound a little counterintuitive because it almost sounds like, well, how, you know, that, that's one of those nicey nice things that wouldn't work in the real world. I mean, if you give more in value than you take in payment, you're going to go out of business. And we really instead just need to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. Value, on the other hand, Jane, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, mm -hmm. this concept, this idea that brings with it so much value, so much worth that someone will uh, exchange their money for it and feel great about it? Now, how would that look in a, a real life situation? Let's say you take an accountant 
who charges $1,000 to do your tax returns. That's his, his fee or his price. But he saves you $4,000 on taxes, saves you 25 hours of work, and provides you with the security of knowing it was done correctly. So while he charged a $1,000 price, the value he provided was way above that. It was way above $4,000. Yes. So yeah. you feel great about the value you received. He gave you more in value than he took in payment, and he also made an excellent profit. So both people not only win, both people have created a much bigger pie in this value-for-value value exchange. But even going back to the point we talked about before, value uh, can be just giving service with a smile, can't it? It sure can. I mean, value does not have to be that. That that's called conceptual value. See, yeah. when when it's when the value is in terms of uh, you know the return for the price, uh, that's concrete value. You can put a dollar figure to it. But it's like that uh, Mastercard commercial we have in the U.S. in which it says, you know, uh, you know the. Uh, uh, spending time with people you love, you know, priceless. You know, there's certain things you can't even <laughs> yeah. put a price on. But um, so value is both. It's it's concrete and it's also conceptual. Yeah. Now, it's the same in conflict revolution. Where's your focus? If it's on you, then it means you're trying to get what you can from that person. If your focus is on them, if you've shifted your focus, now you're saying, how much value can I give to this person? How much understanding can I give them? How much empathy can I give them? How actively can I listen to this person? How can I make this person feel good about themselves? Mm -hmm. And so when we do that, now we're adding so much more in value, and boom, again, we've created that really great environment for a resolution to take place. And it's, well, I mean, when I see it, when I'm mediating a dispute, that's a transformative moment. I mean, it's the moment when the mediation stops being about uh, avoiding litigation and becomes much, much, much more than that. Well, and, and that's why what you do is so important, Jane, because you're taking it out of the competitive mode and you're, you're transforming it into the creative process. Mm. So, Bob, then you go on and talk about um, how our income is determined by how many people we serve. Yeah, that's law too. And it's, it says that, you know, providing value is a great thing. That's the core foundational concept. But, in, and that's your, that represents your potential income. But it's the number of people you provide that value to that determines your actual income. So it's not enough to just provide value to one person. It's also a matter of spreading that influence and, uh, and, and reaching a lot of people. You know, in, in financially, we could say that exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Mm. And today we can see the potential for that with networking and uh, and the Internet as well. Mm -hmm. So um, talk us through the next law then, Bob. That's about abundance. Uh, well, this one's actually about influence. It's called that, the law of influence. And yes, it really is about abundance when you think of it. Uh, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this sounds sort of counterproductive at best, I guess, maybe even downright Pollyanna-ish, and yet it's not. The best communicators, the greatest leaders, the top salespeople, they all know that it's the degree <clears throat> that you can, you can, as Thomas Powers, the great British networking author, says, the, to the degree that you can suspend, not forego, but suspend your self-interest 
and focus on providing value to others uh, abundantly, as you said, that's the degree that people are going to feel good about you. <clears throat> they're going to know you. They're going to like you. They're going to trust you. They want to see you succeed, and they want to be a part of your life. And we see in conflict the, um, the, the degree to which people ignore other people's needs and interests. That creates um, a, a response which is really about fighting and resisting and sabotaging that other person. So it has a very counterproductive effect as well. Yes, it does. So uh, where do we move on to, Bob? We've got something about uh, authenticity. Sure. Law number four, the law of authenticity, says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in John David Mann's and my story, we have a character whose name is Deborah Davenport. And she learns a very valuable lesson, and that is all the skills in the world, the sales skills, the technical skills, the people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they are very, very important, they're all for naught if you don't come at it from a base of your true, authentic self. Mm. Uh, if you don't bring your, your best and true, consistent self to the game every day. Uh, mm. People respond to authenticity, they respond to consistency. And so really that's the, the question is, do you bring your true self to the game every single day? And I don't know that any of us do. I think, you know, I, I don't think we're, any of us are 100% there, but it's something we can continually measure our actions to and ask and make sure. So authenticity, making sure you're not trying to, and now that doesn't mean we don't learn from all other people. It doesn't mean we try, don't try to improve ourselves. We certainly do. But it means that while we adapt the wisdom of others, we don't adopt their personalities. We adapt, we don't adopt. We continue to learn, we continue to grow, because the goal is to continually create a better and more effective uh, true authentic self. And this, I think, is quite a challenge, Bob, today when we see so many celebrities uh, on the Internet and in the news that people often aspire to be those people rather than eat to take their best um, morals or, or behaviors and, and um, model them? Well, that is a challenge. And it's a, you know, it's a type of thing where that's where, where upbringing comes in and that's where good parenting comes in and that's where examples are set and so forth and limits are set. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We're, we live in a, a different world now and with that 15 minutes of fame and doing anything you need to do to get it has almost become, you know, of more value than, you know, the alternative. So, uh, you know, all you can do is one at a time try to set good examples for those whose lives you touch. And, and you start out by being your best authentic self. And what's the final law, Bob? That's the law of receptivity. And that simply says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Uh, in the story, the main mentor, uh, Pindar, asks Joe to breathe out and only breathe out and hold that breath for 30 seconds. Well, in a very short period of time, Joe is out of breath, and he, <laughs> it's obvious he can't do it. And Pindar says, what's the matter, Joe? Can't do it. And Joe says, no, I can't just breathe out. I've also got to breathe in. And Pindar said, well, Joe, what if I was to tell you it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? And Joe laughs. He says, that's impossible. You know, you've got to do both. And Kinder <laughs> says, exactly. You've got to do both. You breathe out. You've also got to breathe in. You breathe out carbon dioxide. You breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving. You breathe in, which is receiving. And the point is, Jane, 
that both giving and receiving are two sides of the very same coin, and they work best in tandem. In fact, to try and focus on just one side of the equation while trying to minimize the other is really an exercise in futility, not to mention you're stopping the flow. So as much as you, you, you want to focus on giving, you need to be willing to receive, and it's the same in conflict resolution. While you're focused on, on giving to this other person your best value in order to help re resolve this conflict, you also need to know when it's time to receive and to gratefully and graciously uh, be able to set, accept those good things that come to you. And as you described that uh, law, Bob, I was thinking it, it's really just like completing a circle, the, the circle of giving or the cycle of giving. I think some people talk about. Well, that is exactly it. And so it, 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 it keeps going. And the neat thing is, the more you give, the more you are going to receive. And then you have the more to give and, and more. And then you're going to receive more and you're going to have more to give and you're going to receive more. So, uh, again, it's creation and it's continuous creation. And, you know, we would say it's a, a delightful cycle of success. So, Bob, in your experience, which of the laws do people have most difficulty with uh, integrating into their into their lives by and large the law of receptivity seems to be the most difficult yeah, yeah and you know it makes sense when you think of it because we have grown up with these you know as don miguel ruiz author of the four agreements would call them these agreement these universal agreements of the way things are you know it goes back to paradigms and and belief systems and and through whether it's a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, television, news, movies, what have you, we've learned what John and I call a treacherous dichotomy or a false dilemma. A false dilemma can be defined as the unnecessary use of the word or. So how many times have we heard the sentence, you know, I'd rather be rich or I'd rather be happy than rich or wealthy. Yes. As though it's an or, you know, yes. as though it's only one or the other. Yes. So obviously people who grow up hearing that again and again and again, not only hearing it, but seeing it in just about every major movie you ever watch. And Randy Gage probably does the best vignette I've ever seen of that, talking about how movie scripts, the big blockbuster movies, typically involve two types of people. There's the good people who are poor but happy. And then they're always being stepped on, put down, pushed around, taken advantage of by the rich people who are usually mean and nasty and cowardly and have no soul. And, and you know, we, we grow up hearing these things, seeing these things again and again and again. So if we have a giving nature and our inclinations to add value, well, the opposite of that is what? Receiving. And yet that's absolutely untrue. Yeah. Giving and receiving are both good. They are both righteous. They are both necessary to survival and they're necessary to thrival. And I've just been doing some fan fascinating research in connection with my job about um, ca character traits or personality traits. And they've discovered that 
in real survivors, true survivors, they have these sort of biphasic traits. In other words, they are both one thing and the other. They are both extrovert and introvert. Both, um, you know, they have both humility and pride and so on and so on. So I think, exactly. you know, yeah. So, um, Bob, it's been fascinating talking to you and, and I'd encourage anybody to read this book because it is a wonderful parable and it's a story which, uh, you know, I think is based on a, a, a true person at least, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, well, Pin, uh, Pindar is based on Bob Proctor, who's a, a, a really great leader in terms of uh, uh, abundance, mentality, and so forth. And, and many of the characters are either based on real people or conglomerations, uh, compilations of real people. And many of the stories in the book actually happen. Uh, it's just that we attributed them to characters and, and you work them into the story. Uh, in fact, anyone who would like to download uh, Chapter 1 uh, to see if they uh, like what they read so far is certainly we uh, welcome to go to www.bergburg.com and they can just click on the, uh, on the uh, book graphic and they can download Chapter 1 to see if they like it. And I'm sure they will, Bob. And I, I know that the, I bought the book on the way home on a, on a journey a few weeks ago, and uh, it, it's it's... It's quick and easy to read, but the story stays with you for a, for a long time after you finish. So um, it has it adds value in both those respects, Bob. Uh, thank you. So, if you had one final thought for our listeners today, Bob, what would that be? Well, I think it's really just like anything else. It's determining what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and then finding the way to get there, and then taking action to do it. And so. You know, those of you who are really into conflict resolution, I'm so glad that they're, you know, they're connecting with you. Some of them are, you know, coaching with you. They're reading your materials and listening to what you're teaching. And, uh, you know, you're a pro in this area. And I, I always say when you want to learn something, learn it from a pro. So I just, uh, again, congratulate you for all the great work you're doing and wish you the best of continued success. Oh, thank you, Bob. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been real, a real pleasure chatting to you and, and learning more about your work as well. Oh, thank you. The pleasure was mine. Thank you, Bob.